Well, good morning. Good morning. That sounds so awesome to hear you greeting one another, saying good morning. We're already into summer. It's been a good summer so far. However, I have heard of some hailstorms that just hit some of our people here in, in this congregation in Delmany and Langham, and we need to be thinking of them at, uh, and those farmers out there. But it's been a warm summer. And uh, thank you, Bruce, for that introduction. As he mentioned, my name is Maureen Brown. I serve in family ministries here, and it's my honor and privilege to bring the message to you this morning. If you were here last week, you heard a message from Spencer Meisner, and his message was on worry. It was an awesome message, and if you haven't heard it, you can listen to it online. But Spencer and I didn't collaborate together, but I actually think these, these messages go well one right after the other, worry, and then leading into trust, my message on trust today. So I just want to ask you, when someone says, don't you trust me, how, how do you, what do you feel with that? How do you respond? You, you know, when, when someone maybe says, don't you trust me to me, I think, ooh, is there a reason I shouldn't trust you? Why do you ask that so quickly? You know, it kind of can bring up thoughts in our mind. Um, how many of you have heard of the game of trust? Do you know the game trust? The game that we play, it's called Let's Play Trust. Nobody knows? Back there, thank you, Ted. One guy. Nobody knows. Well, then I need to show you the game trust. And I need two volunteers. Oh, thank you for everyone putting their hands up. You know, that is, it's just so beautiful. So I'm going to pick... Two volunteers. Carter. Everyone knows Carter. Let's cheer for Carter. Let's have Carter come on up here. And I'm just randomly, wherever my hand lands, Mitch, why don't you come up? Yay, let's cheer for Carter and Mitch. Okay, you need to learn this game. Meet each other. Now, we got two strong guys up here. Come over in the middle. You're going to need some space. This is how you play the game trust. And when I show you, lots of you are going to say, oh, I did that lots. I did that lots. Now, one of you needs to be the trusted, and one of you needs to be the truster. So, um, oh, Carter says, I trust you. That's beautiful. Okay, wow. Right. So, what you do in the trust game is you stand with your back to Mitch, and you... Fall back freely, and the trusted catches you. You're supposed to catch him, actually. It's not, yeah. This wouldn't work if I don't. It wouldn't work, and we have no, we have liability, like, catch him. So, so this is what happens. Now, so the, the base, how we base if Carter trusts Mitch is whether he puts his foot back. So put your arms out so he can grab you right there. And you catch him. So, Carter, it's kind of like a free fall backwards. And I'll say one, two, three. See if you trust Mitch. Mitch, can you be trusted? Okay. (laughs) This is the trust game. Now, before we do this, how many of you have played the trust game before? Ah, look at it. See, I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So, Mitch, you got to be careful with your your distance. How are you feeling, Carter? I'm pretty good. Good, okay. Be careful with your distance, and I'll say one, two, three, and then put your arms out, and free fall. One, two, three, go. Yay! Thank you. That's how you play. 
That's how you play thank you. That is the trust game. You can try that. You can be trusted. Now, when I think of the relationship of trust, the first relationship between people is the relationship between a child and a caregiver. I think a child comes into the world absolutely helpless, and they need that caregiver or that parent to uh, supply all their needs, or they won't survive. And so trust is built in that relationship. So if the child is hungry, the caregiver feeds. If a child is tired, the caregiver puts the child to bed. If a child cries, a well-providing caregiver wants to tend to the needs of the child. And that trust is um, just, it grows between a parent and child. Now, we do something kind of funny with that trust. We actually do all kinds of things because that child trusts us. So one of the things we kind of do as parents, tell me if you've done this, we, we throw that child up in the air. And that child giggles and laughs because they know how to trust, similar to this picture here. Look at that child. That's a big smile. That child has no clue that if my parent's not there, I will land and smash. They just know they're going to catch me. Well, what about this next one? Even higher. Look at that little girl. And if you zoom in on that, she really is full of glee. She's so happy. So why not put a bunch of dads in a backyard and see who can throw them the highest? Like the next picture. (laughs) Now, I think the little guy in the red suit that's way up there, that dad's winning if he catches. (laughs) Or what about, have you ever gone swimming with your child and you're in the pool and you're in the pool and you say, trust me, just like this next picture, trust me, I'll catch you. Now, when I saw this picture, I thought, that trust may be wavered there because I think there's a belly flop going to happen. (laughs) But we build that trust with our children in in a way that, uh, because that relationship is there, they trust us. I want to tell you about some words I will never forget. These are beautiful, beautiful words. It involves my children as teenagers. My husband, Elmer, and I have six children, three by birth and three by marriage. We have Lance, who's married to Elise, and our two little grandsons, Tate and Amos. We have Regan, married to Lindy, and we have Chanel, married to Brady Plett. We're so thankful for our family. But the story I'm going to tell you now involves Lance and Regan as teenagers. Actually, all of our kids were teenagers. And I actually forget the circumstances that were going on in our house, but I remember the words. I so remember the words. Lance said to Regan, Regan, trust mom. Listen to her. She knows what she's talking about. All those words were so good. And you know, if you're a parent here today, we really half the time don't know what we're talking about. Right? We're doing the, I was doing the best I could with teenagers. I'd never done it before. I'd never had training. I was just trying to survive. But you know what? Those words were kind of encouragement to me. I remember also being a teenager myself and wanting my parents to trust me. So I'm from a community called Domain, and we lived in the country. Um, Our community was Domain, and the larger community was Beachy, and there was a big event in our town. Everybody was going to this big event. But it had been pouring rain, drenching rain, for several days. And where we lived, the land was really clay. And so when, when it rained for several days, you couldn't really drive on those roads because you'd get stuck. That clay would just suck you in and you'd get stuck. So, and it would really rut up the roads. So my parents had decided where we weren't going. Uh, did someone say, aw? 
Thank you for being listening, engaged. Because it wasn't awe. I was so sad. And so I said, I'll go. I'll go on my own. We're in luck. I just got my license. We're like, I can do it. My parents said, no, you can't go. And I said, just trust me. Why don't you trust me? I can do it. You know, I actually wore my parents down. I thought... What I think happened is my parents looked at it as a good opportunity for a humbling lesson. And they said, sure, you can drive. Oh, this was the best. So I got in the vehicle. I was so excited. And I started out. And our driveway was kind of long. And as I drove down the driveway, yeah, there was a little mud. But my dad had taught me how to drive well. He taught me how to drive on ice. Don't hit the brakes. Don't hit the gas. You just, in those days, you didn't have that slide control. So you put it in neutral. And he taught me how to drive on mud. And in mud, he said, when you get in mud, you've got to keep going. You can't give up. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. So I went down the driveway. I went down the road. I kept going. I seemed to go. I seemed to go. One thing he forgot to tell me, or I should have known myself, is when you're in a muddy-filled ditch heading into a slough, don't keep going. <laughs> and so there I was, with mud up to my doors, stopped, realizing I can't do this. And just at the moment that I realized I can't do this, I looked in the rearview mirror, and there was my dad in a tractor (laughs) coming over the hill. Probably left the yard the same time as me, just far enough behind that I thought I was doing it on my own. It was a tractor just over the hill. I wonder when we don't listen to God and we head out on our own, trusting in ourselves, how many times he starts out at the same time, is right there following us to rescue us, just like that tractor over hill. I also wonder how long he will wait to intervene When we are surrounded by a culture where the rights to do whatever we want or choose to be whatever we want are prevalent, but they ultimately mock his authority. These can be challenging times for the church and for followers of Jesus. But in these times, and what I feel burdened to share today is the truth that God is in control and that he can be trusted. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning, and Lord, I just ask for your presence here. I pray that you would speak to us through your word and through these next few moments. Lord, I pray the things of me would be the things that would fall away, and the things of you would be the things that stick and stay. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak. pray these things in your name. Amen. Will you turn to me to, in your Bibles to Proverbs 3? We're going to read verses 1 to 10. Does my child never forget the things I have taught you? Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with God, with both God and people. And you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth 
and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Solomon wrote this passage, and God appeared to Solomon and asked, what do you want, what do you want from me? Ask anything. And this is what Solomon asked for, and some of you will know this story. He said, he replied to God, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. So that's what God did. He said, since your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, possessions or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I will give you wealth, possessions, and honor such as no king before you has ever had. The main purpose of the book of Proverbs is to pass on wisdom, and that wisdom, the wisdom that God gave to Solomon to God's people. And if we're God's people, we want to listen to this book. Let's go back to verses 5 and 6 again. That's where I want to kind of land us today. The trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm reading it out of another translation now. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Or he will direct your paths. To trust means more than just knowing who he is. It means more than just knowing what he says. The word trust here means to have confidence in. And the definition of confidence is the feeling or belief that you can rely on someone or something. It's like a firm trust. It's a stronger trust. It's a state of feeling certain about the truth of something. Now, Carter kind of trusted Mitch, and Mitch caught him. But you know what? As people, we will fail. But the trust that we can put in the Lord is that confidence that he won't fail. I'm thankful for commentaries, and one commentary um, offered a Hebrew text analysis of this verse. And it was so helpful me helpful for me as I prepared. Um, It actually gave the grammatical analysis of it as well. So, you know, grammar is nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs. So a noun is a person, place, or thing, and a verb is an action word. Thank you. It's an action word. So there are four verbs in this passage, four verbs that require action, and the verbs are this. Trust is a verb. Acknowledge is a verb. Lean is a verb. And direct is a verb. Four verbs that require action. So I'd like us to look at those verbs a little bit more because they require action from us or from God. They need intention. They need movement. So when we look at them, the first one being trust. So if we've talked about that being more than just trust, it's like putting your confidence in. It's a turning over of responsibility. So trust in the Lord with all your heart not half-heartedly. So I suggest that with my whole heart, I will have confidence in God. With my whole heart. And it's an action. So it won't just happen all the time. It's with my whole heart, I will lean into that, having confidence in God. The second verb being lean, not on your own understanding. So number two, with my whole heart, I won't try to figure everything out. I won't try to have to know everything with my whole heart. I will work towards that as a a verb, as an action. Three, in all your ways acknowledge him. So with my whole heart, I will acknowledge him. 
And that's where sometimes in this past year, that's the part where I got stuck. What does it really mean to acknowledge? In different translations, so what does acknowledge mean? In different translations, the NLT says seek his will. The NIV says submit to him there. The TLB says putting God first. The NAB says be mindful of him. All those verbs there. So I would like to suggest three ways that we can acknowledge him. And this is the three ways that have helped me so much this past year and how God has worked this trust in me. The first one is acknowledging his existence. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He exists. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. That means that he knows everything. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's here with us. He's with our family wherever they are across the world. He's with Karen when she's in Thailand. We're all connected to this one God that can be everywhere and know everything. The second one is acknowledging his life in me. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Acknowledging that that Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit lives in us. There is power in that. There is hope in that. And the third thing I'd like to suggest is acknowledging his glory in our lives or in my life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So if you are a believer here today, and if we claim to be followers of Jesus, the way that we trust him is not just for us alone. It's to make him known. Our trust becomes part of that, part of the bigger picture, part of the community. Our trust becomes part of making him known. So sometimes we think I can do this all by myself. I can just be a Christian. I can just be all by myself. It can be a private thing. If Jesus tells us we need to gather together because we're the body of Christ, if you make it a private thing, you're missing out. So we have three truths that require action that we need to press into. I will have confidence in him. I won't try to figure everything out. I will acknowledge him, his existence, his presence in my life, and his glory. And then he will direct my paths. But what if I don't know where the paths are leading? Well, when we ask that question, do we realize that that question negates all that we just talked about? However, the reason that I understand that question so well is because just over a year ago, that's where I was. I was in a place of asking it and somehow thinking, I should have an answer in this situation. It was a time I thought I needed clarity for the future. And you know, clarity, that's kind of a nice way of saying, I want control. I just need some clarity. And so I was praying into it and and praying to God. And I love, I pray in my vehicle a lot. I I kind of really appreciate Bluetooth because people don't think you're crazy. They think you're talking on the phone. And so I pray lots in my vehicle out loud. Love it. So I was praying into this and this need for clarity and need to know direction. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was driving across Circle Drive Bridge. The sun was shining on the river 
And there was this truth that dropped in my heart. And the truth was this. The truth was the real problem, Maureen, is not that you don't have clarity and not that you don't know the path. The truth is you don't trust the path maker. And he said, you, you don't trust me. Wow, just when that truth landed in my heart, it was like there was a tractor coming over the hill. It was like, how far had he followed me before the Lord was saying, hey, you know, you're on the wrong path. You're digging into this stuff, and that's not where I want you to go. I want you to trust. And I had a moment. Those of you that know me know that I talk about having moments, but there are two kind of moments we can have. Um, in, the ancient Greeks had two words for time, and the words were chronos and kairos. Well, chronos time is like chronological time. It's sequential time. It's measured in minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years. But kairos time was another type of time that they defined, and it was kind of when time stops still, when there's an intersection between the natural and the divine. You know those moments where you just feel like, this is so powerful, this is so true, I feel like I want to drop to my knees. And that's what this moment was. It was a kairos moment of, you don't trust me. I want you to trust me. So I needed to ask for forgiveness, and I needed to ask for help to trust. And trust became my word this past year. So we were were asked to speak on a passage that had been transformational this past year. It was very easy for me to go, this is where I need to go, because trust has been my word. Brady and Chanel actually made me a necklace for Mother's Day that has the word trust on it, because they've known that that's been something I've been working through this year, is the ability to trust, and this reminds me of that. What I didn't know last year, was that there would be other things that would come our way this year where I would really need to exercise that trust. So it's like he had prepared us for something or prepared me for something through that. I'm so thankful that he knows our paths and he knows the end. So how do we grow in our ability to trust? I want to suggest again, like, three things that helped me this past year. The first one was my mind. You know, the Bible tells us our mind is really important. My mind, we need, I needed to renew my mind. How do I do that? Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those who mind, whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. NIV says our thoughts are fixed on you. I need to focus my mind. So I needed to be in the word. I needed to fill my mind with his word, with worship, with the body of Christ. Just have that be my focus. Second thing I'd like to suggest is words. Not only did I need to be in the word, I needed to watch my words. Watch our words. Watch what we say. Watch what we profess. Psalm 31, 14 to 15 says, But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. NIV says my future is in your hands. I need to that I need to say that not like oh I don't know what's going to happen I'm so worried I can't believe it what if what if what if we spend a lot of times on what ifs rather than saying you are my God my times are in your hand the third thing is senses now I don't just mean the the five senses that we have 
here, I mean our spiritual senses. Help us to trust God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to how he speaks to you through dropping those truths in in your body or through the body of Christ, through his word. It says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's all we have, the Holy Spirit. Transformation happens as we lean in and press into what he's doing. So going back to the verse 5 and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or make your paths straight. When Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on the sea towards Jesus, he began to sink only to be rescued by the Lord. And Jesus asked him and said to him, why did you doubt? The root meaning of the word doubt is looking two ways at once. So Peter had one eye on the Lord and one eye on the storm around him. And he doubted. How often do we have one eye on the Lord And one eye on this thing. Oh, this circumstance, what if, what if? And I say it because I know it. I've lived it many times and that's where I was. Maybe this morning you are here and it took everything inside you to get here. And you say, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so used to wanting control that the idea that I would turn over to control to someone is scary to me. I've been let down. And as humans, we will let each other down. But I need to tell you this morning that Jesus never will. So the first step is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first step is to know the truth that he died on the cross for you. And accepting his gift of salvation is the first motion or action or verb that you can use to acknowledge him and begin trusting him. Or maybe this morning you're saying, I I know Jesus, but I'm going through such a dark tunnel and it's so hard to trust. Well, I've got good news for you. Just like there was good news for me. The Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus, lives inside you. And he knows exactly what you're going through. And as you surrender and press in, He will help you, he will guide you, he will lead you, he will comfort you, he will direct you. Do more than you can ask or imagine. And he is so much more than a tractor over the hill. I'd like to ask the worship band to come up now. And as I prepare to close, I have a question for everyone this morning. It's a question that I would like you to think about and ponder. It's in your current situation, whatever you're going through, I I don't know, but God does. So whatever you're going through, whatever the situation is that you have the what if and the what if, if God were to ask you this morning, do you trust me? Just, Just take a minute. Just take a minute and see what that brings up in you. Do you trust me? And what is your answer this morning? Maybe it's, I want to, and that's a great place to start. We keep trusting him 
even when we don't understand. We remember that trust is a verb and we lean into the things we've talked about. Trusting God takes a wholehearted commitment. And that's why in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said we have to deny ourselves and follow him because it's so easy to get off track. And I speak that because I've been there. We need to run with endurance the path God has set before us. In Hebrews 12, 2, he says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And remember, we are never alone. Never alone in it. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Keep trusting him. Don't doubt in the dark what you know to be true in the light. And it starts with a surrendered life, submitting to the lordship of Jesus, his plan, and his way. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way your word teaches and speaks to us personally and corporately and lord i just pray for each person in this sanctuary this morning lord i know your holy spirit is is ministering and sharing many different truths and many answering many different questions so lord i just pray that we would come to that place as a people that would surrender to you submit to you acknowledge you and who you are thank you for the promise then through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll direct our paths. We love you, Lord. We want to trust you. Help us to trust you more. I pray these things in your name. Amen.